Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. Happy Friday to you and yours. We got a great one today. Skylar Bush is our guest today, and he is the chef at Edible Nashville, as well as he has his own food truck called the Ninth Ward. Is an homage to the Ninth Ward in New Orleans, and we have a uh, we have a, a great conversation. A lot a lot of fun with this one, and um, I uh, <laughs> we have a, we just have a lot of fun. You're gonna love listening to this. Brandon's Book Club. It is June. We are starting a new book, and this book is Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. This is a big one. There's a lot of teams out there that are learning each other, trying to uh, gel. As we come back from a pandemic, people are displaced. We've got new people. We're all trying to figure it out. And this particular book is the answer to so, so many of those questions. So the five dysfunctions of a team are as follows. Um, They start with lack of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoiding accountability, and inattention to results. These are the five things that uh, will ruin any team. And what we're going to do is we need you, if you want to be a part of this, this is open to anybody and everybody. And I would love to get your feedback. Go to Facebook. And in Facebook, we have a group called Brandon's Book Club. And every Sunday night, I am going to release a reading of the books. You do not have to buy the book, although I prefer that you buy the book. And you can write in it and have it for yourself and support uh, the table group, which is Patrick Lencioni's group. But I'm going to be uh, playing the audio version in that group. You will get an hour at a time, and it's going to be at 1.25 speed. So you'll be able to listen to the book through the Facebook page. So go join that group, Brandon's Book Club. And from there, we're going to open the discussion. But if you are a leader in a restaurant, this is a book that you absolutely need to read. If you haven't read it before, this is a game changer. So I'm excited to lead everybody through this. Um, If you're a restaurant and you want to sign up as a partner on this and get everybody involved... Let's do it. This is a lot of fun, and um, I'm excited to bring it to you for the month of June. It may go into July, but we're going to do every week, every Sunday night, a new video we put up on our Facebook page, so go join that group. All right, um, we are going to do an on-brand today. We have a brand new on-brand with Sharpie Ace Bakery. All right, we are so excited today to bring in Aaron Moso, who's the owner of Sharpies for this very special on-brand. Hey, Aaron. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so Sharpies Bakery, you guys are celebrating your 35th year of serving Nashville's best restaurants. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And you have come on as a new sponsor for Nashville Restaurant Radio. You're a listener Thank you so much. This is exciting. I can't wait to get the word out for everything you guys are doing. Yeah, I was a big fan of your podcast. I've been listening, and I just thought uh, it's so fun to listen to like the local restaurants and our friends that are in the business and hear what they have to say. I mean, I know them personally, but to listen to them talk is is I love listening to you interview them. 
Well, I love I love interviewing them. It's so much fun. And you know what? We we got to do. A I want to do a full interview with you. I mean, I would love to do that. Uh, while you're a sponsor and all, but like, I want to do an interview with you before we were doing this because we I, a good I story. Yeah, you had a pretty interesting story. I mean, 35 yeah. years. You growing up your entire life in this business. I imagine. I imagine you've got some stories. Yeah, I certainly never thought I'd actually be working here um, <laughs> for real as an adult, but here I am. So, how long have you been working for Sharpies? Uh, nine years. I moved back to Nashville in 2012. Yeah. 2012 and okay. uh, nine years at Sharpies. Tell me something that most people wouldn't know about Sharpies. Um, I think a lot of I think a lot of people know we make hamburger buns because we make a lot of them, but we actually make so many different kinds of bread. Um, we we have like maybe 130 different types of rolls, buns, baguettes, custom delis, table bread, anything you're looking for, we can make. Um, wow. So you could, can, let's just say I dream up a bread that I want to make. Can you guys make pretty much, can you customize bread? Absolutely. Yeah. And if you see a product, you know, it can be something as simple as you've seen a product that we make that you like, but you need a different size, a different shape, a different egg wash on it. We can obviously do that really easily. If you have, you know, a big idea about a you know particular menu item you'd really like to create, we can work with you to make that happen. That is, that's amazing. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that. I mean, I think the restaurants I've worked, I've known about Sharpies for 20 years at least, but I didn't know that you guys could do custom things and do you deliver daily? What do you, What's your delivery? Uh, we're getting like? back to every day but Sunday. Um, we're getting back to that after COVID. Um, and anywhere in the Nashville metro area, six days a week. Wow. So if I'm listening to this right now and I'm a, I'm a restaurant owner and I'm buying my bread from just a broad line, I'm adding bread to frozen bread or whatever I'm getting, I, I'm sure you're competitive price-wise. I, mean, I could order almost daily and get fresh baked bread from a locally owned family bakery here in Nashville for roughly mm -hmm. the same price. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's, that, that's, that's what dreams are made of right there. <laughs> this is why I love doing these on brands because I love introducing Bill. If you don't know about Sharpies and you don't know about Aaron, then you need to check them out. So they do have an Instagram. It's scrolling on the screen right now. It's at Sharpies bakery. And the way you spell that is C H A R P I E R S. Ready? That's C H A R P I E R S Bakery. So they're at Sharpies Bakery. You can check them out online at www.sharpies.com. Again, that's C H A R P I E Sharpies.com. And um, you can see pictures of all the different types of bread that they make. I'm sure that if you would like to come down and tour the facility, they'd be happy to have you. Just get check out their website, go find them on Instagram, follow them. Or just give Aaron a call, 615-356-0872, and you could be serving your guests fresh baked bread daily. Do we cover it? I think so. <laughs> the front end for our very <laughs> first on brand. I'm so excited to get to work with you guys and continue to learn all about the things that you do and the bread that I get to do. You guys also do desserts, don't you? We do. Uh, we make a flourless chocolate cake. And um, we actually just started making a cheesecake again. We made it for years and we stopped making it. And it's amazing. It's I'm really happy it's back. Yeah, I can. I love, <laughs> I love a good cheesecake. I'm telling you. It's amazing. It's just very simple and delicious and creamy and perfect. 
Well, it, you can get those two flourless chocolate uh, cake as well as, um, sorry, of cheesecake. Check them out. Sharpie Ice Bakery. Aaron, I am so excited to have you guys on. I'm excited to learn more about you. I'm excited to eat some bread because mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you, but I love bread. I do, do you too, get tired of eating bread being there all no. the time? People ask me that all the time. They're like, do you get tired of that smell? Well, I don't smell it anymore, to be honest. But uh, fresh bread, like warm bread, never gets old, ever. No, yeah. never. Never. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And I look forward to doing many more of these. And um, thanks again. Thank you. So excited to have Aaron as a new sponsor in Sharpies and cannot wait to do that interview. Hey, if you want to be notified when these interviews come available to you, go ahead and click the subscribe button to however you're listening to this. Subscribe to it and you will get notifications when new episodes come out. Also, if you'd like to watch these videos, head over to YouTube and we have a Nashville Restaurant Radio YouTube page where you also can uh, watch the video. So go check it out. We got a ton of videos posted and I'm posting new stuff all the time. Let's jump in now with Mr. Skylar Bush. Super excited today to welcome in Skylar Bush and he is the chef at Edible Nashville in the Ninth Ward. What's going on, man? Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. You, it's our absolute pleasure. Thanks for doing this. So this is pretty fun. I, I, I don't know a ton about you, but I'm excited to learn. So tell me about, tell me about Edible Nashville. What are you guys doing over there? Uh, man, so we're a local food publication, right? Um, so basically, we're focused on all things local. Um, farms, restaurants, uh, artisan makers, pretty much anybody that's kind of branching out and doing their thing in Nashville. Uh, that's what we're focused on. We're writing articles about them doing as many videos as we can with them, just trying to get the name out there for for us and for them and for Nashville. Uh, I think it's just all about the the synergy and community, and that's kind of like what we're focused on. Wow, so the, the, that's interesting how similar versus like what I'm doing, you know, talking with people. I want to talk with local, find local, promote local, and see if we can't connect people in the community. So this is a natural fit, um, I think, for you guys to come, for you to come on here and kind of talk about that. What about the Ninth Ward? Tell me about the Ninth Ward. The Ninth Ward. Uh, so that's my little baby. It's my little uh, pet project. Um, basically, found a food truck for super cheap. Uh, found a lot here in Midtown for super cheap and put the two together. And here in about two weeks, we'll start slinging some po' boys and Cajun fare. You know what I mean? Nice. Okay. Is the Ninth Ward in reference to obviously New Orleans? It is. Uh, and it's honestly an homage to it. Um, after Katrina, it kind of disappeared a bit. Um, it's always been one of the more poverty-stricken wards in New Orleans. And um, I think for us, it was it was about naming it the Ninth Ward was about just kind of, of giving a new life to to that area because uh, it's kind of desolate at the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. We also have uh, my my investors is a uh, is a minority and and they are from uh the ninth ward and so the kind of it's kind of a synergy between you know what they're trying to do um with their cash flow you know and and, and investing in in minority owned things and and really trying to to bring uh the plight of their people up um in the same way that the ninth ward has always been that beacon of light wow there's so much you just said right there um I want to get into the, the, the New Orleans. Are you from New Orleans? 
I'm from Mobile. Uh, well, Orange Beach specifically, but uh, nice. But yeah, there's a there's a definite Cajun connection and a, and a connection to New Orleans for sure. So we're coming up on the 16th anniversary of Katrina. So, I mean, it's 16 years. The Ninth Ward is still. Do you think it's ever going to come back? I don't think so, man. I mean, um, you know, you have the Army Corps of Engineers deciding if 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 New Orleans should ever come back if anything happens again. You know, wow. so it's uh, it wasn't built on stable ground, so I, I don't know if it'll ever. <laughs> be revitalized to be honest so you are bringing in a little bit of new orleans to nashville in po boys and authentic cajun fair okay. how did you let's get into some of your story and now we know what you're doing currently but let's go back to growing up in mobile orange beach yeah. when did you come to nashville i came to nashville probably seven years ago um after college uh i studied music in college that's kind of been my thing uh since i was a kid i was in a a band that did a couple of legs of warp tour. Um, nice. You know, yeah, it's very, it's not really my style these days, but, uh, but yeah, it was kind of, um, music's just been my, my guiding light for a long time. Um, what do you play? I, I play guitar or anything with strings, but my, my focus is guitar. Okay. When you played on the warp tour, did you, who'd you play with? Did you get to meet anybody like any of your heroes or anybody that's really cool? That yeah. You don't know I mean, about? They're not really cool, but they were definitely my heroes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, a bunch of cool people. Um, I mean, the Warp Tour is just full of of incredible acts, um, new and old. So, so it was a good time. It was definitely fun being on the road and and being able to do that. Did you move to Nashville for music? I did. Um, my band that, that I was in at the time, we all graduated uh, from University of Alabama and then moved up here. Um, and then for me, it turned, it turned into more of a business than it did a passion. So I'm just not that guy. So I moved on, you know what I mean? Tell me about that. When you say that, what was the name of your band? First of all, uh, I was in a band called somebody Houston. And then, um, when I moved up here, I was in a band called organic androids, organic androids. Yeah. It was, it was a, a cool name. Yeah. We had like a whole storyline and like uh, graphic novels going. It was, it was deep. Trust me. Can people still <laughs> listen to your music? Is it like on iTunes or anything? Uh, organic Android still on iTunes. Uh, we kind of fell off with somebody in Houston. I was honestly at about my sophomore year of college. We kind of stopped that project, but it had the most reach. Um, you know, we get messages from people from Prague being like, we love your music. But uh, yeah, we just kind of we were kids and just trying to have fun. To be honest that's so cool man you get messages from, from prague like oh it's the best right he's like I, I have it on in my pub all the time and i'm like it's weird but cool you know <laughs> okay yeah when did cooking come into your life because you're very talented i mean some of the food you're putting together is absolutely amazing like when did was that something that's always been a passion or when kind of in a side project and then when the business music became a business you j went over to that uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was always kind of a side project. Um, my mother's one of the worst cooks in the world. So and she'll tell you that. So it's like um, it was necessity. It was born out of necessity for sure. And then uh, just became a passion. I have a a pretty, pretty talented chef aunt who I learned a lot from just growing up and just kind of rolled it into I wanted I wanted to do something that I loved. And so once music became just dollars and cents, uh, I was like, man, what, what else is out there for me? So, and the Nashville food scene was kind of blowing up at the time. So I kind of jumped in. 
I want to ask you about that, the dollars and cents side of the music business, because so many people in this town are in the music business. Mm-hmm. When did it change? Was there a moment that all of a sudden, like somebody, like a, a manager came up to you or you guys, did somebody take advantage of you? Like what happened that was, was there like a pivotal moment that just turned you off? You know, I don't think there was one moment. Um, it was it was mostly a conglomerate of moments, uh, but it was just seeing the ins and outs of the business, um, going to studios, like realizing that your producers aren't as connected with you as you think. You know that it's not a it's not a it's not a passion project for the people who are actually disseminating your work. Yeah. And so for me, if, if we can't do it ourselves and make it some our passion and really try to to propagate ourselves um, in a way that doesn't look fake or anything like that, um, that's what I wanted to do. And it was going the other direction, like more geared towards audience, you know, which is obviously what the music business does. But uh, I well, guess I... Oh, it's just an interesting take. Uh, I grew up in the music business also, and I think that that's a, a side of it. I think a lot of people listen to music and they go, this is awesome, this music is great. And then yeah. bands evolve over time, and a lot of that is because of the business of it. And they, yeah. hey, we've it used to be a passion thing, and there's anger and angst and creativity, and then it becomes, do you think people will listen to this? Sure. And because You have to pay your bills at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And if you decide... If you decide art is what you're trying to do for a living, you have to be able to to separate the left and right brain and say, this is the necessity part. This is what we want to do and try to find the middle. We had a band of six people, so I don't think that would have ever happened. Um, but I would say, you know, if I'm in the, the music business solo, probably still in the music business. But um, just that band of brothers kind of broke up and I was like, I'm done. I'm trying to move on. Find another band of brothers, if you will. I feel like that's what killed Kurt Cobain. I, I feel like yeah. he was that I'm going to do the music I want to do that I feel like, and it became too much of a business. And he was like, now I'm in the middle of, I didn't, I never wanted this. I don't want this. I'm responsible for too many people kind of a thing. Sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, ego is a big thing for musicians, right? Like that's, that's kind of what drives the creativity I would say. So once you're kind of squashing that ego for the sake of the masses, I don't, I don't know how you can survive. Well, so th- this is an easy transition because the same thing happens with chefs. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean we're rock stars, you know? Yeah. I mean? I mean, so like you go from being on the stage to like in the kitchen and how is it different with what you're doing now? It's not a lot different. Um, I think, you know, I come from a composition background and, um, composing a dish is no different than composing a tune, right? So you have all your pieces, you know what you're trying to do. You guide everything the right way to make it happen. Um, so I've always looked at, at, at cooking and even plating to a degree as, as composition. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a fantastic take. Can we build a dish together right now? Yeah, let's do it. Can we walk through the process? Do you, where do you start? Like, Hey, look, I'm going to create, a dish for one of these farm dinners that you do. Do you start with identifying the local producers that you're going to be, that are going to produce the product and then you go with the product and create it? Or do you start with like what type of plate you're going to use? Or do you start with the environment? Where does your inspiration come from? I I think it it depends on the dish uh, much as it would depend on the song. Um, It's, it's, 
it I, I'm a color guy. So for me, a lot of the times I start with color. Um, and I know that's weird, but no. but it translates, you know what I yeah. mean? It, it, I start with color. And so if I see some beautiful, bright orange carrots, then I know that's the direction we're about to go, which then in turn guides the direction of the plate. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. that, that first piece of inspiration can, can be the plate, can be the vegetable, can be the farmer themselves. You know, I mean, it, it really, or just the vibe of the farm. Let's uh, be specific because you have a summer Creek dinner coming up mm -hmm. on August the 21st in, uh, at Hatchland Hill in Jolton, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a dinner that people are going to be eating in a Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Shoes off in a Creek, man. Shoes off eating, running water underneath you. What an um, absolutely, uh, innovative idea to do when you're cooking food in a Creek. What's, do you have those dishes prepared? Do you know what you're making? Can you walk through how we, can we talk about one of the dishes and the whole process behind how you made it? Yeah. Uh, so we do, we've done maybe two or three of these Creek dinners so far. Um, so I can just, I can just pick a dish from maybe the last one we did. Sure. Uh, so we did a, a rabbit and spatzel dish. Oh, uh, love me some spatzel. Me too. I'm, I'm German through and through. And so spatzel is just kind of what was being cooked at my grandma's house most of the time. Yeah. Um, but the rabbit, it, it's kind of so with the Creek dinner, I, I'm kind of focused on, I don't want to serve someone trout because that's a little too on the money. Uh, but, you know, I'm thinking what does run around the Creek? Like what's, what's in that area? What makes that, sense? Connect with the plate. And that's, you know, rabbit, that's deer, that's, um, you know, even crawfish to an extent, not here, but, uh, but no, so, I mean, so definitely taking those elements of, of just the natural fauna and, and flora and, and running with it. Um, so that's kind of that, that dish was rabbit because we thought, you know, this is, this is where it lives. Spatzel just because that's a piece of my heritage that I love and I love a good rabbit pasta, love a good rabbit spatzel. Um, we ended up doing that with like a smoked tomato, uh, because tomatoes were in season and we are in Tennessee. So we're trying to invoke that smoky barbecue, yum, yum. Um, and then I believe we tossed that with, uh, with some, uh, you know, just fresh herb. Um, and it's a very simple dish, but at the end of the day, it was just, just quality and being on the Creek, eating rabbit, eating good smoky tomato, water running over your feet. I don't know. It just had a, it had such a vibe that dish just felt right. Um, and I was able to put a piece of myself into it, which is what I always want to do with my food. And, and so that's where the spatzel comes into play. But honestly, every dish is so, is so different in the thought process for me. I'll, I'll, I'll just be real with you. I, but no, I love the creativity there and I love how you can channel your creativity in a dish. What's the, do you ever just make a dish and it just looks perfect but tastes terrible? Yeah, all, all the time. Uh, <laughs> how, how often do you make mistakes? Like, how often do you mess a dish up and have to start over? Well, I mean, I think it, in the beginning, uh, it was it was a little harder. You know, when I first started cooking, um, give me one second, please. Hey, John. Sorry, we have people in the shop. Uh, no worries. But anyway, so in the beginning, I think it was a little more a little more difficult. You had your ideas, but you didn't have the fundamentals or the foundation to really get it through. Um, I was able to train under some pretty awesome chefs. So 
they help guide my creative process and help guide my palate. And now it's it's not so hard. Like, I mean, I think you you make a dish and it doesn't taste exactly how you want it, but when you have the right tools, you you know exactly what you need to do to get it there. You know what I mean? So when you talk about the right tools, how important is it? You guys work with a ton of local farmers, right? Mm-hmm. You local people. How important is it to use foods in season? It's the most important. Um, I think like that's something that I've always really thought about it is like the American mindset of I should be able to have a, a juicy, delicious tomato in December. And if I can't, like, why are you a bad chef? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's always just kind of like cracked me up. It's like you know, we want what we want when we want it. But that's just not how it works. You know what I mean? Um, well, I mean, it. it's not how it used to be. I mean, if you're a caveman, you only got to really have sugar in the summer months because that's when fruits were ripe. That's when fruits came on trees. And in the wintertime, I mean, our bodies naturally, when we eat sugar, they start storing fat because they think it's summertime. And now that it's essentially summertime all the time because there's just all these things are genetically done, you can do them whenever you want to. So, I mean, that's a part of it. If you're a chef working through different seasons using the same ingredient 12 months out of the year there's months that ingredients can be better and there's months that that's just it's just not going to be good so you what you're saying is you've got to be using foods in season on a regular basis the flavor's just there it's just there and i think the i mean it, it kind of it's sacrilege almost not to right like it, if someone's going to spend the time to grow that for you during that season when it grows the best why would you not use it in that time you know what I mean? Obviously, there are preservation techniques that that work and they're amazing. But if we're talking like fresh stuff, it's got it's got to be in season. Otherwise, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot, I think. I mean, why not use the best product at the best time? So you're familiar with all of the local farms and local purveyors. Can we can we talk about some of them because if I'm a chef and I'm listening to this right now and I don't use foods that are in season. I'm using asparagus all year. Mhm. Right. And I'm like that. You don't need to use asparagus all year. Um, what are what are some amazing and, and I want to start buying foods in season. I got to find local farmers who are the best people for me to maybe contact. Man. So I'm loving uh, Bloomsbury Farm right now. I think they're Lauren, great. Lauren's yeah. going to be on the show next week. Perfect. Um, you know, they do a, a fantastic job. Uh, everything they grow is is just perfect, to be honest. It's hard they to do a find fantastic something. job. It's It's crazy. Um, I'm a big fan of Westglow Farm out in um, uh, Kingston Springs. Uh, love Delvin. I think what Delvin, what Hank does is is insane because he's able to provide some of the most delicious local veggies, but on such a grand scale, but doing it the right way. Um, and that to me is is the future, right? Like like doing it the right way, but still providing for multiple multiple communities. Hank uh, and Cindy and Amy and Brandon, all the people over there, amazing people. Tell me, are they selling to restaurants? Because I, I see them like farmers markets and stuff. Are they selling to restaurants? Yeah, yeah. You just hit Hank up and tell him what you need, man. Uh, he's such an OG. Like, oh my gosh, pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, any any farm around here, it's it's all about the quantity, right? So Hank's one of your better people if you're if you're a restaurateur, if you're a chef, to go through because he can he can get you as much as you need when yeah. you need it. Um, you do find it's hard to do that on a grand scale with some of these smaller farms. It's because they're only going to grow 50 pounds of carrots and I'm going to run through that in a week. You know? Oh, yeah. So it's about finding that balance. Uh, there are some, you know, 
Hank is probably the biggest farm in Tennessee doing that and able to provide good local veggies. Um, but there are other farms, you know, outside of outside of Tennessee, North Alabama, Mississippi. And to me, you're still local at that point. You're still if you if I'm able to call the farmer and meet him halfway and pick it up, it's I don't see any difference than it being 15 miles down the road. You know, I was just going to ask you if you had a definition of what local is for me, it's like 150 miles. Okay. Um, I know that. I mean, it's, and that's arbitrary. I'm not saying that, you know, I live my life by that rule, but, um, if you can get something within 150 miles, it, it, why would you not consider that local, especially if it's grown with love and you can actually connect with the, the person growing it. Well, I mean, I think local slash regional, especially since where we are located in the state of Tennessee, um, Huntsville, North Alabama and Southern Kentucky, the Mennonites out in Scottsville. I mean, there's so many different areas to buy fresh product and it's closer than Knoxville. It's closer than Tri-Cities, but that's still Tennessee. So people are like, well, I want to buy from Tennessee. I'm like, but these other places are a lot closer to where we right. are. And truly, we're just trying to support farmers uh, that aren't these huge, we use the word conglomerate earlier, but like these gigantic farms that are in Salinas, you know, that we're sure. traveling product across the country on a truck and it's hydro cooled and it arrives at your kitchen door packed and it's probably three weeks old at that point, but it still has, you know, because it's hydro cooled, like buying product close by, you're supporting people that are putting back into our community, right? Is that the goal? Sure. And then, I mean, you're squashing that carbon footprint as well, um, which is important. You know, I mean, if, if, if it doesn't take three trucks to get to me, I'm, I'm definitely going to be way happier. And so yeah. it's Mother Earth, you know, so um, I think that's a lot of it, too. And and a lot of it for personally is is the connection. Like I was saying, like, I I want to be able to talk to my farmer. I want to be able to plan with my farmer to. To have a vision and, and have them be a piece of that vision to, to, to create it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot more personal. For me, I know it's not for a lot of people and, it, and it's about quality of ingredient and, and that's a, a big piece of it. But but just the actual connection, the actual community that's being built, that's that's a big piece for me. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. And these sponsors are amazing people. They're not only people that sponsor the show and sponsor locally owned and operated restaurants in Nashville, but they are people that I currently work with. I think every single sponsor I work with and can absolutely vouch for what they do. If you have any questions or need a recommendation about any one of these sponsors, feel free to reach out to me, uh, Brandon at newlighthospitality.com or Brandon at nashvillerestaurantradio.com. Be happy to answer any questions you have. But until then, okay, so here's the thing. It's impossible to find a linen company who you can trust, who you like, who uh, you'd recommend. And if you're a restaurant right now and you're looking for that company, you're unhappy with who you're currently using, and you want to start sourcing out but you're waiting for recommendations, right now is your lucky day. Cytex is a third-generation, family-owned and operated linen, mats, and uniform company. They really are the good guys in the linen business. They're transparent with their pricing, they have incredible quality, and their service is second to none. Check them out at Cytex-Corp.com or give Ross Chandler a call at 270-823-2468. Supersource is the answer to your dish machine and chemical needs in your restaurant. 
They've got zero minimums and zero contracts, so they have to earn your business every single week. Zero minimums. Zero. They're not going to make you sign a five-year contract, even if you lease the dish machine from them. It's amazing. Jason Ellis is a hard-working man, and he is here to help save you money, increase the cleanliness of your dishes, and provide the best service in Nashville. So check them out. Go to our website at NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the Sponsors tab. Find the link for SuperSource, and if you sign up there, you will get three free months of dish machine rentals right now. You can also check them out at SuperSource.com, or you can call Jason Ellis directly at 770-337-1143. Nosey College of Art was started by an artist, Mrs. Nosey. And for nearly half a century, it's where future artist in Nashville has found a home. If you're looking for a home in a kitchen... This is your place to start. At noc.edu, you can take a tour of their all-new culinary facility. Culinary arts program at Nosy College of Arts starts this fall, and classes are filling up fast. They're filling up fast because these are not huge classes. They're small classes, so you can be intimate with the chef Anthony Mandriota and Brian Minich. They are going to be teaching curriculum as far as knife skills, baking, the general things you need to know to run a professional kitchen. At NOSI, you let your creative mind run wild as you train for your career in an awesome field. Like being in a kitchen, but they also offer photography, graphic design, illustration, video and film, web and interactive design. Step onto the campus and it won't take long to see why our students say, I'm different. I'm NOSI. Where does all this come from with you? I mean, just with you and wanting to give back and be part of the community and be philanthropic, volunteer your time like this, this there's a gentleness and a thoughtfulness about you. Where does that come from? I, I mean, I, I do believe, you know, happiness is, is really only amplified like when shared. Right. So, so for me, it's about, I mean, I, I, I think I spent five or six years in my twenties, just meandering around, like a nomad, not knowing where I belonged or, or, or where anyone belonged or I didn't care for that matter. Um, and then, you know, some, some life trauma, I lost my father, uh, probably 2012, I would say. Hmm. And that hit me pretty hard because I realized I didn't have anything to fall back on anymore. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, you're on your own now. Mm-hmm. And so if whatever you want to do from here on out is, is up to you. How old were you in 2012? Let's see, I'm 33 now. So, you know, like okay, uh, here's you goes here, 25, yeah, 25, 24, 25. Okay. So young man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that was right at my music transition where I didn't know what I was doing there and, and didn't know what I wanted to do. So the community aspect for me is, is, is strength, man. It's, um, it's a, it's a, a reason to, to carry on, right? Like it, it it's, having someone rely on you and being able to rely on someone else. Um, and just knowing like, like the strength that we have in numbers and, and what we can do when we're connected and when we're all in the same mindset and just trying to better our surroundings. You know, I love everything you just now said, and I want to read a post that you put the other day, but kind of what I hear is you never know what happened to somebody. You have no idea anybody's story around you. You have no idea if somebody lost their father and 
is looking for community, is looking for somebody to help lift them up. You have no idea if somebody just, their dog just died or if they just won the lottery. You have no idea what people's state of mind is. And sometimes just a smile or like a kind gesture can mean the absolute world to somebody. Just put wind beneath their wings. And I'm going to read a post that you put out the other day. And you you work with the Heimerdinger Foundation, right? I do. That's like my my lifeblood right now. So I want to talk about that. You wrote, and this is this is three paragraphs. You wrote, how you fly is the thing, how you fly this thing is completely incumbent upon your focus. Gravitate towards the beautiful things. Hone in on honest to goodness, goodness. Let love flow ever so gently around your wings and stay airborne. But most importantly, look out for those flying around you. Take initiative when you see that they're starting to sink. Use your focus to fly just underneath them in case they fall. Lift and be lifted. Sure. You wrote that? I did. Where did that come from? Just your normal life, just something that's a thought that you had? Is that in direct correlation with the Heimerdinger Foundation? I would say every Tuesday when we finish our our volunteer, Monday, Tuesday volunteer gig, uh, I'm just filled with words. I'm filled with with love and hope and, and passion and I try to get it out. And so it's not stuck inside of me and can hopefully affect someone else. Like I've just been affected, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's just about getting it out. I I'm a, I'm a writer at heart. I'm a musician at heart. So, you know, if it's in me, I'm going to try to get it out. I'm going to try to put it out there into the world. That's amazing. Uh, I, I just thought that was so beautiful. Tell me about the Heimerdinger Foundation. What exactly does the Heimerdinger Foundation do? Can anybody go volunteer? Yeah, so um, it was created by uh, Kathy Heimerdinger um, for her late husband, Mike Heimerdinger. He was an offensive coordinator at the Titans. Yeah. Um, and he died of cancer, pretty rare type of cancer. Um, and basically what we do is we're feeding feeding about 100 people right now going through chemotherapy. Um, and they're all antioxidant and uh, anti-inflammatory mineral-based mills uh, that help aid fighting cancer and help help, help you feel better and want to eat when you're when you're going through chemotherapy. Um, so that's kind of our focus is is community education. We do have like a teen training program. Um, at the same time, we have a lot of senior citizen volunteers. And for me, the Heimerdingers is just that embodiment of community. Right? It's it's young and old coming together for a common goal um, and just trying to help their neighbor. So Heimerdinger, incredible foundation, honestly. You can volunteer. I mean, it's at, um, what is it, mhmills.com. I think I'll have to get you that, at the, the real, the right um, website. But it's, it's just a, it's, it's a, a mission of mine. I've been volunteering with them for about a year. Um, they lost their chef. I don't know if you know Laura Rodriguez. Um, she's a chef in town, pretty cool but they lost her right before the pandemic and they just didn't have anyone they were friends with our editor at edible jill and um basically she was like hey can you go help these guys out and i was like yeah for sure and then fell in love and, and haven't left since so i put it up on the screen here just their their instagram handle which is at heimerdinger foundation at h-e-i-m-e-r-d-i-n-g-e-r foundation and uh, you can go check them out. Follow them on Instagram. They're posting 
videos and random things of all of the stuff they're doing. And if you want to volunteer, I think there's a link on here that you can um, sign up to help you volunteer. So that is, uh, that's amazing, man. What important, what important work that yeah, is. No, it helps keep my ego in check for sure. <laughs> is that, is that something that, that needs to happen all the time? Always. Yeah. I'll be real with you. Um, you that's just, I'm just in my nature and, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to, to tamp it down. And I think that's a, a good place to be right. Like, uh, to know that you have those capabilities, but to, to constantly try to keep them in check. It keeps a, a tight rope, if you will. I could certainly, are you married? Not, no, no, no. You have a girlfriend? Oh, no. So you're a Other single dude. What's that? <laughs> Other than my food truck. <laughs> I'm married to my food truck. Yeah. All right, well, so if you're watching this, ladies, you have a single 33-year-old, you're a handsome guy, man. You've never been married before? Uh, no, I haven't. I've always been a solo dolo guy. Do you have Just any pets? I have no pets. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, I am. It's hard enough keeping this thing clothed and fed. To remember <laughs> to do that. So I, I couldn't imagine having to do something else. Uh, I have a I have a wife. Of, okay. Uh, almost 16 years. And, wow. Um, she keeps my ego in check. Cool. Like a champion. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I mean, something and she'll go. Do, I would imagine. <laughs> What's that? I said most wives do. I would imagine. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's. I get this look and I'm like, okay, I'll stop. Yep. Yep. You got any kids? I do. I have two boys. They are six and seven, and we have a seven week old puppy. Oh wow! What kind of dog? It is a Bernadoodle. I don't even know what that is, man. Yeah, I didn't either um, <laughs> until recently. I I knew I wanted a dog, and I knew that I have really bad allergies. And I started googling like hypoallergenic dogs, and uh, obviously, you want to you want to go and and um, adopt a dog. That's the the number one thing. But in in order to get, I really wanted my boys to have a really. Um, I wanted to raise puppy and kind of go through the process of training together and learning all that stuff. And uh, for the first dog that we're going to get, I wanted to get a really chill, loves kids and just everything puppy. So we got, so that's what we did. We got the puppy and, and now we're, now we have like a, like a baby again. Yeah. 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 No, I remember, you know, I'm sure we had dogs before I, I remember, but I remember getting like the first dog, you know, growing up and gosh, that's a feeling. That's like, uh, a, it's, it really is. It's been pretty special. The kids all day, just like the way they hold her and look at her and snuggle her. It's just, it's my heart just gets, it's overflowing every day. It's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Dogs are incredible. They are. And I, you know, I've wanted one for a long time, so I'm really kind of over the moon right now. Sure. What's her name? Dolly. Dolly. Uh, why not? You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. Both of my kids grew up reading books from the imagination library. Gotcha. And, um, you know, obviously she's the patron saint. So we, she's, she's an enigma, man. She's a dolly. Yeah. That's cool. Is there any, who's like your hero? Like, I mean, I mean, obviously we name our dog dolly and we are big fans of dolly parton, but like, who's somebody who's been a huge influence to you? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's probably a little weird, but like Winston Churchill, very big influence. Uh, weird. Well, you know, just the ability to stay that drunk and be able to make good decisions you know i'm just kidding you know he was uh 
he's such a great leader. You know what I mean? And and at the end of the day, that's that's all. I've always been a servant of people. I've known that, you know, from since I can remember. Um, and I really believe in in leading by serving, and I really believe in in leading by example. And I think he was one of the one of the best at that. You know. Um, on top of that, I don't know, maybe Thomas Keller, even I know it's food related, but he is That's just, okay. I can listen to him speak all day long about anything. He's just a genius. You know what I mean? Um, and just, just really gets what he's doing. I, I, I find, I have mad respect for people who understand what they're doing and are able to do it well. And like, aren't confused by the things around it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're like, no, this is what I do. And, and it's just such like I'm right you know there's such a gall about it that's like I don't do things wrong and I, and I love that that vibe I think Winston had the same vibe I think it, it was it just that ilk of human being that is very focused and not letting anything around them kind of push them off track that, that's, there's that's, almost like a synergy around everything that they do yeah it's like absolutely. it just everything works and it just makes sense and they get it and they're they're stoic and they just have all of i don't know there, there's a gravitas about yeah obviously I, i've never met winston churchill or the opportunity to but uh <laughs> i have eaten at some of thomas keller's restaurants and uh yeah. the innovation that he does i'm i'm totally blown away by people that do stuff that shouldn't work <laughs> like, i i think the, the the cliche the term think outside the box mm -hmm. to me like is everything Sure. But not that term. And thinking outside the box, I think everybody uses logic way too much. Mm. Well, if one plus one equals two, then two plus two equals four. Let's just do that. Versus, why can't six plus five equal fifteen? Like that doesn't make sense. Like exactly. Like I yeah. love. Let's do a dinner in a creek. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Like, well, why would you want to do dinner in a creek? You eat dinner in a restaurant. Like, well, tonight we're gonna eat dinner in a creek. There's a creek yeah. we can put a table in. Let's do it. Like. People that have ideas like that and then execute them, I am just teach me more. Like I love that thought process. Sure. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's about it's about focus, right? It's about it's about knowing, like being able to clearly see the end goal, uh, no matter where you are in the process. I, I don't think I think for most people, when they have a great idea, that end goal never really shifts. You don't pivot too much from it. I mean, the journey may pivot a little, but yeah, you still know what you're wanting to do. Um, and I, I same here. Like I have, I, I'm just in awe of people who who say, like you said, yeah, I'm going to do something illogical, you know. And these are my steps to get there. And obviously, everyone looking at it is like, this is not going to work. Um, but you get to the end, and it's this pristine, beautiful thing that they've had in their head the whole time. You know, like it was never not going to work for these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, and, and that those type of people to me are just fascinating. I think I, I wish I could emulate them in a in a more appropriate way. Um, let's. You know what? I'm just curious about you. I just want to get to know you. Type question, yeah. which is a little bit different. We've talked about food. We've talked about what you're doing at Edible Nashville. What do you do at Edible Nashville as the chef? I mean, it's a publication. Are you writing for them? Are you cooking for them? Like, what do you do there? Yeah, so I have a, a page in every issue uh, where I'm able to write creatively, whether that be a poem or an open letter to a chef that I'm loving. 
you know, or um, recipes from chefs that I love in town that I've get, that I've got to work with, um, you know, research and development that I'm doing. Um, I even have a music to cook by section in it so that like it's generated a cool playlist since the beginning. It just It's just a place for me to, you know, brain vomit. Um, and luckily they give that to me. I, I don't know why it doesn't I'm make like, it that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. You know, but, uh, at the same time we do, we do four farm dinners a year, usually two Creek dinners. We have, um, multiple cooking demos at, at farmer's markets online, things like that. So I stay busy, uh, cooking with them, but the writing aspect is, is I would say 50, 50 for sure. So let's talk about your kitchen playlist. Yeah. If you're listening to music in the kitchen, are you, do you listen to like classical if you're baking, heavy metal if you're grilling, rap if you're doing pastry? Like, do you, or do you have like a set genre that you just kick it with? No, man. Uh, I'm all over the place and it doesn't even matter what I'm doing. So I, mean, I could start with, it could start off with, you know, the strokes or like, you know, Interpol or something and then slowly gravitate to, to Pink Floyd, then go to Gershwin, then go to, you know, Coltrane. Like, I mean, it's all over the map. I love metal too. Like I, there's not a lot of music I don't love. Um, maybe Ariana Grande is like the only one I don't really love. Uh, <laughs> but. You're cool. You're cool. You suck. You suck. You're cool. Yeah. No, I mean, if it's, if it's real and raw and has emotion, I'm going to listen to it. Uh, if it evokes something in me, then, then it's going to be on my playlist. But I have found that, that, that Fleetwood Mac Dreams, the most diplomatic album you can put on in a kitchen. Really? It doesn't matter if it's if it's a kitchen full of Hispanics, it's a bunch of you know hipster white dudes. Like it, like everybody's gonna jam out to some Fleetwood Mac. So that's usually my go-to in a new kitchen, just so people like me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Like that. That's, that's. I love that. There's thought around that. Like when I go to a new <laughs> kitchen. Fleetwood Mac Dreams is my go-to. Hey, I'm a cool guy. I get it. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm not too cool because it's Fleetwood Mac. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm putting nice. on like white zombie. <laughs> like that. That leave. That's a distinct impression. Like our like rage or something. You know. You you know what you're doing. <laughs> you seem like a very passionate guy. Like I that, that you're in touch with your emotions. Yeah, it's taken thing? a while to get there, but yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie of all time? I'm a Wes Anderson guy. Uh, I think he does some of the most beautiful movies I've ever he seen. He does. Uh, Darjeeling Limited, I think, probably. I actually lived in India for about a year and a half because of seeing that movie. So I would say that's Saw a movie and moved to India for a year and a half? Yeah. Well, you know, not directly after, but I was like, this is something I need to do. Um, so, yeah, after after college, uh, took like a year off and, and moved to India. Wow. Yeah, learned to cook there a good bit. So I was definitely I would wherever we were, I, I went with two buddies. So and we would basically just kind of travel around the train system. There is just insanely good. So we would find a place we like stay for two weeks. I'd find a, a cool guy, cool restaurant or something. Be like, hey, man, can I come cook two nights a week here? Like, teach me. You know what I mean? Um, and you're and, OK just to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm from America and I want to cook here. Can I cook here for a couple nights? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we, we, we'd get a, a hostel or something and stay in town. But yeah, uh, I would be like, yeah, just, can I cook with you? And then you'd be, I mean, everybody wants to teach, right? Like anybody that thinks they're great at something wants to teach. 
so yeah it was like teach me show me the ways um did you go by yourself you said we i had two two friends two buddies okay what's your favorite restaurant in nashville oh lord let's see here there's so many it changes like i'm all over the place okay so. well, let's say we can't say a favorite because you'll leave too many people out that yeah. that's the question that no chef in nashville will answer because like i got too many friends and you're like okay so <laughs> if there's like five if i'm listening to this and i want to know where i should go eat right now if i if there's a playlist of restaurants for skylar bush like where where should uh, you send people to go eat right now okay um i think deb paquette's one of the best chefs we have in town so you know etc etch for sure um i'm i love what campaign does at uh at red perch i don't know if you've been there i have not Oh my gosh, they're opening in Sylvan Supply coming up. They used to be in the arcade. Um, but I have to check that out for sure. Australian fish and chips, man. It's it's simple and perfect. Like it's just good food. We gotta do uh, a show with them. Oh, you should, yeah. Cam's a great dude. And he has the he's a beautiful man and has the coolest accent in the world. So yes. Why would you not? Um let's see. I love Julio. I love Mais de la Vida. I think he does an incredible job. Same with Ed Edgar. Uh they're kind of the same ilk to me. So I would, they I would are. send somebody to, to Julio on Saturday and then Edgar on Sunday, probably. But, um, let's see who else is killing it in town. Manit, obviously, gosh, she's a whirlwind, huh? She's, um, a, she's incredible. What and a Alex, spirit Alex she Blue, man. I love Alex's food. I really do. His carrot dish is on my death row wish list. Oh know? yeah, man. That carrot dish is off the chart. Insane. It's yeah. insane. Um, but yeah, I, and I know Alex is a little outside town. I need we need to get him in a restaurant fast. Like I, <laughs> he, need, I need more of his food. I know, right? I, he he did some work with me recently, and I got to eat a lot of his food, and I was really really excited about that. Like it was a lot of fun just watching him cook and watching him do some of the things that he does. Sure, yeah. talents guy who's doing his own podcast now. I saw that, like Life in the Weeds, is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, he's always one of those people I thought had just like the best personality. You know, he's so, he's so, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he has so much like energy and just this gravitas almost yeah. around him. I mean, he's that so funny. He's on episode four in like three days or something. Like you know, yeah, he's, like, I mean, he's on fire. Yeah, he does that with the, the like his prep too. Yeah, I just like watch him prep and he's just like, and, and it's done. You know, like, insane. Yeah. After he's worked out for three hours. <laughs> he's he's hard. He, he reminds me a lot of myself, just which is which is good, except for we're in different kind of worlds. But uh, two boys, yeah, wife, kids working like 19 hours a day, just constantly on the go, making it happen. And I'm, I think his podcast is going to be excellent. I, I think that um, what he's doing is really cool. And uh, hopefully he has all the success in the world. And I think it's it's always like I'm kind of like you, like. If there's local people that we can create something that helps then hell yeah let's spread the word you know i wanted to kind of do something where i got to bring people like you on a show and hear your story you know i think it's really fun sure no i'm all about it man like i said communities my my rate my, my reason to live man you know what i mean like it's it's a reason we all should be living is, is for each other all right so let's do some plugs if somebody wants to date you how do they get a hold of you <laughs> um, you know, I'm pretty elusive. Uh, no, I mean, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm, I'm there a lot. Um, you know, um, you maybe find me at a bar at Honey Tree Meadery. That's a good place to find me. 
Good find. Honey Tree Meadery. Yes. Drew and Ross, those are the two best human beings on the planet. All right. Well, there, there's another place you need to go. Yeah. No. On your playlist. You got to go to Honey Tree Meadery. Actually, you should come this Friday at five because we're doing a pop-up. That's probably this Friday point. at five. So that would be Friday the fourth? For the fourth, yeah. Okay, so this episode will come out on Friday the fourth. Oh, how cool. Well, Thursday night, it'll come out that we're, we're recording this the day before. So it'll be Thursday night, it will come out. And then Friday. So people listen to this. Come, we'll do it like this. Come tonight to Honey Tree Meadery at five o'clock for a pop up. Is it with Edible Nashville or is it with Ninth Ward? With Ninth Ward. Uh, it's our second one. We did our debut pop up uh, two weekends ago. And basically, what we're doing is is running through our menu. Our menu has like five po' boys on it. So each pop up, we're doing one of the different po' boys, uh, just trying to get some feedback and vibe before we actually open the truck. Cool. Yeah. And what is your Instagram? Is I'm you're at I am Skylar Bush. Absolutely. I, do you have Facebook? I don't. Thank goodness. Okay, so you're not on Facebook. Uh, Twitter? No, nah, no Twitter. So I, I ran a. a I was a campaign manager for a guy running for Congress uh, this last year, and I got so burnt out on Facebook and Twitter that I just I just couldn't do it anymore. After the go. campaign, I was like, done. So how did you become? How did you? How were you a campaign manager? I think you I was trying to do that. Freest option. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it just a, a buddy, a young guy running for Congress uh, against Jim Cooper. Not a big fan of the the machine, so I was like, let's jump in and, and see what we can do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've always been a logistics guy. You know, I, I stopped cooking for a while and and was the COO of a, a, a home cleaning business called Homebird uh, with hubs in D.C. and here. And yeah, so I mean, honestly, I just, I just took the the executive chef mentality and just, you know, put it towards day-to-day -to -day operations. Um, I guess the guy running for Congress liked the work I did with Homebird, so he asked if I wanted to run his campaign. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Did you, anything, and are you completely turned off of the political world now? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a huge disparity there, right? Like, um, you know, I mean, I know I don't wanna get too far into it, but, but if you wanna run Republican, if you wanna run one of the two big parties, in Nashville, you need 26 signatures to get on the ballot. If you want to run as an independent or a libertarian, you need 60,000. So it's obviously set up in a way that is is kind of, you know. 26 versus 60,000? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and that That's is fair. Fact. And we wanted to run independent and, and not really worry too much about the affiliation and run more on policy and, and uh, ideology, but it's hard to find 60,000 people that actually live at the address they say that go through the election commission and check out. So I can imagine. Damn. It's crazy, right? It is crazy. All right. What am I missing? Anything you want to talk about? Anything that's on your heart that you want to like get out there? And we're, I'm going to ask you in a minute to finish the show and you get to take us out with Whatever thoughts you have, whatever you want, I'm going to open the floor to you to say your like Jerry's final thought here in just a second. So don't go into that. But anything that we uh, anything we missed that that you need to talk about? Let's see here, man. Um, promote anything? Yeah, I mean, honestly, just promoting the ninth word. That's where I'm at. Uh, it's my baby. I've got some money invested in it. I've got some time invested in it. So it's uh, it's time. 
to get that out there. I just, you know, for me, uh, um, just being independent, being able to, to do what I love without any restrictions and affect as many people as possible, which is, is kind of the philanthropy side of it. And one reason I went to food, I would say, I mean, you can affect a lot of people through music, but I, I think it's a more tangible, a more tangible goal to, to really affect people through sustenance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, for me, I mean, that's just, that's just how my mantra is, is how can we all get better? You know? How can we all get better? And how can I help others? Yeah. Seems yeah, yeah. to me what you're what you're doing. All right. So thank you, man. Let's let's do let's do a let's do I want to keep some stuff for the next time you come on. Yeah. We can uh delve even deeper. But thank you so much yeah, for coming for sure. on the show and taking time and just kind of talking about all the stuff. Um, you have a farm dinner. It is a dinner for Edible Nashville, and it is going to be on August 21st, 2020. You're eating in a creek, yes, sir. Hatchland Hill, Jolton, Tennessee. There's another, there's a fall farm dinner, uh, mm-hmm. October 23rd, 2001, location to be determined. If you want to buy tickets to this, go to edibleNashvilleEvents.com, edibleNashvilleEvents.com. Click the tickets button. You can buy tickets. I think tickets are $200 a person for the summer creek dinner. You can have a dinner. Do you have a guest chef for that, or is that all you? Yeah. So Hockland Hill has a uh, uh, a little kitchen and and okay. chef there. So we're gonna work with him. Uh, but we do get a, a guest chef every time. That's actually my favorite part of it uh, is being able to collaborate and learn from other people. Uh, we had Alex at our last farm dinner. Yeah. And you know I was able to actually learn that carrot dish. So now I can die a happy man. <laughs> every so, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it's about for me it's it is about community but it's also about becoming a better chef and working with people i i really look up to um and it's fun just cooking on a farm in the middle of a field so heck yeah it's a good vibe i mean everybody that comes seems to have a really good time great music uncle nearest is always there we're having a good time so it's kind of like uh, i had tom morales on he said you know when you create tom, a kitchen yeah. in the middle of a, a movie set and you're feeding all these different people and you're having to create a kitchen in the middle of a field, you get back into a restaurant, it almost seems too easy. That's who I learned it from. That's who I first worked for when I moved here was Tommy. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a good friends with uh, a guy down in Alabama, Chuck Morgan, um, Charles Morgan, who um, I guess was kind of Tom's business mentor. Uh, but I worked for uh, my first kitchen job ever was for uh, Charles in Tuscaloosa and wow. the end of it he was like i'm gonna connect you with my guy tom and get you a job up there so so this guy i love tom morales he's a he's a he's a cool dude yeah talk about it yeah the, the nash a treasure for nashville yeah. the city of nashville. Don't stuff don't he know. does for our city is amazing it's insane all right man so take us out uh the floor is yours whatever you want to say whatever you whatever you got take us out uh it's you yeah well, Brandon, I appreciate you having me. Um, I love what you do with this podcast. I think it's amazing. Um, I do listen to it on the regular. I, I liked your conversation with Sean Porter. Fucking insane. Um, but <laughs> it was yeah. awesome, wasn't it? He, I, dude, he's one of the greatest guys. He came to our pop up at Honey Tree um, last week or two weeks ago, and and it just, it's such a pleasure just to be able to be around him. His presence is amazing. But um, but yeah, so we're popping up this Friday. 
five o'clock honey tree meadery east nashville the ninth ward you can catch us at ninth ward at ninth underscore ward on instagram um we're slinging po boys and cajun fair and just trying to do the best po boys in town and we'd love to see you honestly so if you want to come out to honey tree also have edible nashville doing the farm dinner and the creek dinner so look that up as well um a lot of stuff going on and the most important if you need a place to volunteer hit me up we can get you in the heimerdinger we can get you in you know second harvest it doesn't matter but if you're feeling that that need to reach out to your community and, and give back. It's very easy to do here in Nashville. And I would love to help you find a way to do that. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much for being on the show. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. That means a lot to me that you enjoy it. And um, man, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Brandon. I really appreciate it. Thanks, dude. I'll see you. All right. There it is. The interview with Skylar Bush. Thanks, man, for doing the episode. That was a lot of fun, and I hope that you enjoyed it, too. And uh, hopefully his date card is full tonight at his pop-up. I'm cracking up myself listening to that. Again, you guys got to watch this video on YouTube, and um, we've got some amazing shows coming up. So stay tuned to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Hope you guys are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.